If you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5, be taking our text from. Mark chapter 5. I am going to look at uh, the first 20 verses, but we're just going to read the first two to begin with, and then we'll cover the others as we go. Mark chapter 5, and when you get there, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Here the Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Father, what a wonderful time we've had already, God. Lord, I thank you for these that's here and the testimonies that's been shared and the praises, God. And I'm asking you now, God, to humble me, Lord, and... Allow me to preach from your holy word this morning, God, that it'll go out and do what that you please, God, and do a mighty work in our hearts. Help us, Father. Let us stand boldly and declare your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. You can be seated. Uh, this is a familiar portion of scripture, and it's told in all three of the gospels, the synoptics there, Luke and uh, Matthew also tell this uh, account. In Matthew's gospel, he uh, he says there's two men, and it's in the uh, Gergagenes, but um, it's the same it's the same story, the same place, the same event in all three of those synoptic gospels. Uh, I'm going to be preaching this morning on this text concerning demon possession. Demon possession. There's a lot of uh, questions about that today. It seems like a lot of the world is dealing with uh, wanting to deal with the supernatural wanting to delve and dive into things uh, forbidden and uh it needs to be it needs to be preached today what god's word says and so uh, as we look there at verse 1 again it says and they came over under the other side of the sea into the country of the gadarenes now in the previous chapter of this jesus and his disciples had boarded a ship in capernaum and had set sail and jesus gave them the command to he said cross over to the other side Cross over to the other side. And there they met a storm. And um, Jesus ended up calming the storm and rebuking the disciples for their lack of faith. And so afterwards they end up in this place called Gadara. Gadara is a city in the country of the Gadarenes, which is where this takes place. It's on the complete opposite side of the Sea of Galilee than Capernaum. And it's lower down to the south of it. There in verse 2 it says, And when he was come out of the ship... Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So no more than Jesus and his disciples get off the boat and they go over into this, this foreign country and he's confronted with a man with an unclean spirit. Now the Gospel of Luke says it this way. He says, And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Now, the average person, if they'd stepped off a boat and that's the first person that greets you, what are you going to do? 
I'm going to say, let's get out of here. (laughs) We've come to the wrong place, but not the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus knows exactly what's going on. He knows what the need is, just like he knows what your need is. He knows what's going on in your life. Nobody else may, may know. You may keep things hidden from other people. But down in your heart, God knows everything you're going through. He knows all the thoughts in your mind. He knows all the insecurities. He knows all the problems that you're having, and he loves you. And so he's never surprised you can't surprise God Jesus is not surprised and so first we need to understand what is an unclean spirit now many people refer to the term they use the term demon that's that's a fine term it's fine it's it's a modern term it's not in your King James Bible by the way and I know you'll go look if you want to the word demon's not in the Bible Uh, but however words that mean the same thing are here he's called an unclean spirit and is also referred to as devils, a devil. And so um, you may have heard this mentioned as being the demoniac of Gadara. The Bible doesn't call him that. He's, he's just uh, he's a maniac, and he is in Gadara. But uh, the Bible doesn't call him those terms. Your your Bible may have a heading at the top that says that's what the story is about. Uh, but however, uh, the, um, both those terms are, are interchangeable. Uh, devil and unclean spirit are used in the same form and fashion throughout our Bible all through there. And it means to be possessed by a devil. Possessed by a devil. Now, a devil is a fallen angel is what, what a devil is. It's a messenger. A minister of Satan is what a devil is. And referred to as unclean spirits. Devils are spirits. They're not human beings. Some people say, well, you know, a, a devil or a demon or, or, or an unclean spirit is, is a dead person that was evil that come back. And no, they're not. You don't find that teaching in the Bible anywhere. Uh, devils are spirits. They're not human beings, but they can possess human beings and do work through them. Devils, that clearly. Nowhere in the Bible do you see a saved person possessed by a devil. God doesn't tell us to go around casting devils out of saved people. It's not in there. We're told to flee from from these things uh, and and such, and stand firm whenever it's in in front of us, uh, the devil or the devil's messengers. But we're not told to cast them out. Uh, the reason is because a Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling within them. When you got saved, we heard testimonies of different people today talking about how they got saved and when they got saved. And and I know when I got saved. And immediately when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled within you. And the Holy Spirit and devils don't mix. The Holy Spirit's not going to allow a devil to come in and possess what is His. It's God's. God is over devils. He has more power and authority over devils. They must bow to Him. So a saved person does not get possessed. Romans 8 and 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. And so you're not going to be possessed. If you're truly saved today, you're not going to be possessed by the devil. He's not going to be able to take over and control your body and cause you to do things that you don't want to do. Now, he can oppress you. The devil can oppress you. He can get in your head and, and mess with you. 
if you allow him to, but you've got to give him access to your, your mind. And so we're not told that devils are ever indwelling in saved people or being cast out of saved people. Now, like I said, Christians can't be possessed, but we can be oppressed by devils when we allow evil things into our life, when we dibble and dabble and, and delve into things that we ought not to, when you allow devilish things into your life, into your home, in, into your conversations, into your thoughts and minds, the things you may read or listen to, when you allow devilish and evil and wickedness into your, your life, you can be oppressed by the devil. That's why the Bible tells us we must guard ourselves. And so we need to guard what comes into our heart, what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears, what we say from our lips. We need to guard those things as children of God and resist them and stand firm against the devil. Look at verse 3 of our text, Mark 5 and 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been, had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Now, these tombs are caverns. They're caverns on the sides of the rocks, containing cells in which they placed dead bodies in. And so when, when they had the tombs, the dead bodies were placed in there and closed up. The entrance to this cave where these tombs are uh, was not closed so that people could come in and visit the dead. That sounds like a strange thing. We go to cemeteries. Uh, you know, my parents are over in the, in the Washington Pike Cemetery where we've already got our tombstones set up. Sometimes we drive by it, coming every day we drive by it, and I'll say, you want to go visit our property? Yeah, we've got a little bit of property there in the cemetery. Uh, so we'll go and visit cemeteries and stuff, but people would go into these tombs and, and visit and, and take things and, and uh, whatever they did in there. However, there's somebody in there now. <laughs> this man, this man, has, he's been in this condition for a long time. He's been running around naked inside the tombs, chasing people away. He's a real problem. Uh, nobody could go there without the danger or being frightened or, or uh, anything like that. They're always, they would avoid the place if at all possible. But if they wanted to go see their, the tomb of their, their loved one, then they, they were afraid. Now, according to Matthew's account, this man was a very big handful. He says in Matthew 8 and 28, exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. So he's preventing people from going there around the tombs. Now, they had tried to tame him. They tried to do something about him, obviously, according to the Bible. They had, some at some point, had captured him, locked him up in shackles and chains. That word fetters, that's what that means. It's shackles, like you'd put around a prisoner's feet or, or on, his, on his hands or whatever it was. Uh, but even those fetters and chains could not bind this man. He had supernatural power by Satan where he's able to actually bust out those chains. I mean, he was, he had a man, he was a man of great strength. Uh, demonic possession had given him great strength. And so he eventually, he's able to break those shackles and fetters and chains and come out of them. Look at verse five. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And so not only was this wild maniac of a man making life miserable for the town folk, but he himself was a miserable, wretched man. He's in terrible misery. 
Awful. He would sit around and cut himself with sharp rocks and cry out in either pain or anger. What an awful existence. I used to work for the nursing home. I worked there seven years. At one point, I was a housekeeper, and I worked in a, in a building called Maplecrest. Maplecrest was where they put all the insane people. Uh, sometimes, some of those people were alert and aware and acted normal. But you could go on there on days, and they were completely out of their head. If there's a full moon any time, you better, you better look out. I mean, that really set them off. But there was one man in particular, and the, the residents would would gather in, a, it was kind of like a living room, it was a large room that had a television set in it, and they would sit in there in their, either in their wheelchairs or jerry chairs, or they even had some couches and things, and they would watch the t- television. <laughs> the Price is Right was a big one, I don't know why. But they liked to watch The Price is Right. But I would go through there, in my job I had to clean. But there was one man in particular that was in there, and they would strap him down to his chair. They would bind his hands to the arms of the chair because if they did not, he would sit all day and punch himself as hard as he possibly could and scream out in pain all day. He would do it all day. They would, they would medicate him. They would do things with him. And he would still just keep on all day. And so they would start tying him down. And before you knew it, he was ripping those things off of his arms. He ripped the arm off of one of the chairs that they bound him to. He had this great strength. He was out of his mind. He was a maniac. And so this man, he's miserable. Sometimes maybe he might have been normal at points when the devil wasn't causing him this kind of reaction. But uh, what a miserable life. Look at verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Listen, this ought to give you chills right here. To understand the power that Jesus has. From afar off, this man has power as he notices and he realizes who that is. A man in the tombs, naked, miserable, cutting himself, screaming out, possessed by devils, but despite all that, when Jesus comes, the scene suddenly changes. It says that he saw Jesus afar off. I don't think he'd ever met Jesus before. I think this is the first time he'd ever laid eyes on Jesus. He had no idea of Jesus up to this point. But as soon as he saw him, he knew exactly who he was. Despite never seeing. Luke's Gospel says that this man fell down before him. So this demon-possessed man, he falls down at the feet of Jesus and worships him. That word worship, of course, we know means to kneel down, to prostrate oneself, to do homage to, to make obeisance to, whether in order to just show respect or to make supplication. Now listen, while this man may be possessed by a devil, he don't want to be. The man inside that body does not want to be possessed by this devil, but this devil has taken him over. He wants to worship Jesus. He wants to come to Jesus. So this demon-possessed man falls down at the feet of Jesus and worships Him. And what a punch in the gut that must have been for Satan to realize that he has no power over Jesus. That Jesus wields all power over everything. Verse 7 and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? 
I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Now, the one speaking right there in verse 7 is not the man, it's the devil. It's the devil inside of the man. And he's speaking to Jesus straight on. He says, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? And notice that he gives him the, the rightful title, Thou Son of the Most High God. And the devil's even saying, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. In other words, he's, he's invoking the name of God to prevent him from having to go through torment that he knows Jesus will give him. Jesus is already tormenting him because he's, he's telling him to come out of this man. Come out of that man, thou unclean spirit. Over in Matthew 8 and 29, it says, And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? What does that mean, before the time? Well, this gives us a little insight of what's going to happen one day. Uh, one day, God is going to cast all those devils and demons into the pit. They know that. They, they know that time's coming. They don't know when it is. You don't know when it is. Nobody knows except God. But it gives us a little insight about that, that there's going to be a time the devils are going to be tormented. And we don't have to look very far into God's Word to understand uh, about this time. Over in Second Peter 2 and 4, the Bible says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There's going to be a judgment coming. God's going to judge these devils, these demons, this wickedness. In the book of Jude 1 and 6, the Bible says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. And so we know from the Bible, God is going to judge these. It's obvious that these are referencing an event that's going to take place one day, uh, just before the great white throne judgment, when Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. Listen to what it says in Revelation 20, 7 through 10. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so when this demon this devil this possessed this man when he's there in front of jesus he's he's what he's doing he's trying to tell jesus jesus is this the day I, is this the day i'm going to be into eternal judgment or are you going to cast me into the depths and so the devils are more concerned about being the day of judgment than most people are you can tell the average uh, lost person here on the face of this earth today that there's going to be a time come when they will face Eternity, when they'll have to face judgment. And they'll have to face the possibility of being cast into an everlasting burning lake of hell fire. And what do they do? They laugh at us. There's no such thing as that. A loving God would not have people in a place like that. Friends, it's because He is a loving God that there is a place like that. 
Hell was created for the devil and his angels. And it enlarges itself daily because of lost people, sinners, dropping off into the depths of hell. People are not concerned today that they don't have Jesus as their Savior. And one day they will stand there before the judgment and be cast. Verse 9, back in our text. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. That word legion right there, it's the same word they use for for Roman soldiers. A legion of soldiers is around 6,000 men. Now, does that mean that this man was possessed by 6,000 devils? Well, not necessarily, but it does mean he's possessed by many devils, not just one. There's one doing the dominant speaking, but he's possessed by many devils that's entered into him. So that name is to indicate a very large number of them. It says, for we are many. And may I remind you at this very moment, the earth is crawling with devils. The air is filled with devils. Did you know that? The Bible says he's the prince and power of the air. You better believe he's taking control of it. Sitting here right now, you cannot see it. There's radio waves going through this building right now, AM and FM. They they travel through. They're coming right through this building. You, you, You can't see them there. But there's also devils, demonic spirits, wickedness going right through the air. You can't see, but they're there. We need to be aware of that. Paul warns us in Ephesians 6, 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so while we can't see them with the naked eye, they're in our very midst, the demonic spirits passing through the air that we are breathing. As Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 2, he is the prince and power of the air. There are so many devils that possess this man from Gadara that they're trembling in fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the devils are begging for Jesus to do them a favor. Look at verse 10. And he besought him that he would not send them away out of the country. Now Luke's gospel says in Luke eight thirty one, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. The deep is what we were referring to, that he knows there's a time come where they're going to be cast into outer darkness, into the bottomless pit. And so that's what the deep means. It's out of the country or out in the deep. It's referring to the same thing, and it's not the sea that he's speaking of. It means the abyss, the bottomless pit. It's a place of torment that we talked about, where the devils will be reserved unto judgment. This legion of devils did not want to be cast into that pit at this time. Look at verse 11. Now there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Take notice here, the devils besought him. That means they beg Jesus not to send them into the deep, but instead allow us to possess these 2,000 hogs, swine. I guess this proves that animals can also be demon-possessed. I've known some cats that I I absolutely know are demon-possessed. Dogs are not. Dogs are gentle. They're angelic creatures. But cats, they're of the devil. 
um, whatever reason, the devils beg Jesus to cast them into these pigs. And Jesus grants their, their wishes and <laughs> cast them into these pigs. And they all go running off the side of a cliff down into the sea and drowned. Uh, I was listening to John MacArthur one day, and he said that there is an important theological term for what the pigs did that day, and it's called suicide. <laughs> Look, now, this may bother some people. They hear thing, I hear things like, well, why didn't Jesus just go ahead and, and cast them into the deep and the everlasting chains and, and darkness and, and waiting judgment? And he could have done that if he wanted to. He certainly could. He has that power, but Jesus did not do that. You see, you have to remember, Jesus is in full control. He's in full control. He could put an end to evil and wickedness anytime he wishes, but he's allowing it to continue until he's ready. In the meantime, he will continue to change lives of people. He will continue to cast out people that are possessed by devils, sin and evil, and when, when he does, it reveals his glory. He's glorified when he does that. And, of course, I hear people say, well, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair that God would allow devils to torment human beings when he could do something about it at any time. Well, he, he can do something about it. Uh, you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, and you never have to worry about being possessed by a devil. And so, uh, you know, listen, uh, what's not fair is that God helps us at all, at all. We're low down, rotten, no good for nothing, filthy sinners. That's what, that's what we are at base. We do not deserve grace. We don't deserve kindness or mercy or his love. The only reason we love him, according to the Bible, in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Do you know it's God that gives you the ability to love? You don't possess that naturally. God, God gives that ability to you. Look at verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was done, uh, see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. This is really the, the worst part of this entire uh, story here. The saddest. Here Jesus has demonstrated his glory. He's demonstrated his love. He's demonstrated his uh, everything, his power, by casting out the devils out of this man who's been possessed for a very long time. The man that this, these same people that's came here to see this has known what he's like. And there he sits in his right mind, fully clothed and normal again. And people are still afraid. They're not afraid of the man any longer. They're afraid of another man, the man Jesus. These folks are upset because, one thing, their livestock's being killed. They care more about them pigs than they do about that man that got, that got healed. They care more about them pigs than they do the Lord Jesus Christ who's standing right there ready to give them eternal life. They'd rather have the hogs. I like sausage better than anybody in this building, I can guarantee you that. But I'd rather have Jesus than have that hog. So they actually begged for Jesus to leave them. If they could have gotten those pigs out of their mind for just a little bit and realized what's going on here, 
the magnitude of it, they would have begged Jesus to stay there with them and never leave. They would have. But they were afraid of him because he's holy. Sin hates holiness. Sin is afraid of holiness, by the way. Jesus is righteous. He was, as the the devil-filled man said, the Son of God. Therefore, these no-good-for-nothing stinking pig farmers, they're afraid of him, and they just want him out of their presence. Get out of here. We don't want you here. Look, when you're dabbling and dealing in sin, you don't want to be in the presence of God. You don't. When you backslide, you're out of God's will, you're doing things you ought not to, you don't want to get in God's presence. You you pray that nobody from church comes by you or sees you or talks to you or calls you, oh, I hope, I hope nobody comes while I'm doing this or, or you know, I'm messing with this. You want God to leave you alone in those times. It's too much for you to handle. But there's two choices. You can, of course, leave, ask him to leave, or you can repent and beg him to stay. These people decided they were going to ask him to leave instead of repenting and asking him to stay. Except one man. Look at verse 18. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Well, the rest of the town may want to get rid of Jesus, but the man that had been delivered does not. He's a changed man. His heart's different. His life's different. His mind's different. Everything about him is different. He has changed because the Lord has got a hold of him. And that is a sign of a true believer in Christ. When you get saved, we become a new creature in Christ, the Bible tells us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This man wants to be in the presence of Jesus. Christians ought to be wanting to be in the presence of Jesus. But Jesus forbids the man to come with him. Look at it there in verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and has had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. What a beautiful picture here of this now this 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 clean man this this righteous man now he's been made clean by the lord jesus and what is did jesus tell him to do same thing he told us to do go go and tell everybody do you see what he did he began to publish and to accomplish you know what preaching is it's publishing god's word it's declaring god's word it's heralding god's word you know what giving a bible tract to somebody's doing It's publishing God's word. I've got God's word published right here to give you. So Jesus forbid the man from coming with him, but instead commissions him to share the gospel. And that is a true sign of a a true believer in Christ. They want to tell others what he's done for them. Look, I know that a lot of times when, when I got saved, just a little boy, I mean, I was on fire for the Lord. I, I wanted to tell everybody, I wanted to call people on the phone. I wanted to go tell everybody. And I know as the years go over, that that excitement and everything kind of starts falling off. You're not excited like you were when you first got saved. Oh, to God that we would get excited again about what he's done for us. 
to get excited about being saved, to get excited. We're not going to have to go to hell and pay for our sins. We need to be excited about it and tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. What has He done for you? He saved you. What did He save you from? The pits of hell. He saved you from having to pay for your sins. Why can't we tell other people about it? Oh, we need to. I'm ashamed at the many times that I failed to share the gospel with other people when I've had the opportunity. Let's seize those opportunities. Let's tell people about the Lord Jesus. He'll change lives. He changed the life of this devil of Gadara. He became not the devil of Gadara that day, but the preacher of Gadara. What a change the Lord can make in your life. He can take the worst of the worst and change them from the inside out. Brother Scott, come get a song. I want us to pray together. If you need help, if you need to come to the altar and pray, just show God that, God, I'm willing to to tell others about you. God, I, I failed where I should have been better. I need to tell others. If that's you today, let's pray the Lord and ask him to help us with it, to be better. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message. Lord, I thank you for each one that's, that's here this morning. God, you know our hearts and our minds and what's going on, God. You know our, our weaknesses and our failures. God, those times that we should have spoke up when we kept quiet. God, may we, we be changed from the inside out. God, may you deal with us, Lord, and may we go like you command us to go and tell others about Jesus. Help us with that, Father. Lord, if there's one struggling today, for whatever reason it may be, God, would you help them? Help them, Father. May we glorify you in Jesus' name and amen. Let's all stand together and sing.